Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Welcome to Your Retirement Elevated, the podcast that's going to help you learn a little bit more about the financial landscape, make you a little smarter, hopefully, along the way as well. No promises or guarantees there, however. And we'll make sure that you're learning a little bit about what's going on in that retirement world and the financial world all together. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you in the Kansas City metro area, but also serving clients all across the country. Check us out online by going to listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com to listen to past episodes of the program and to get in touch. Scott, we're going to be talking about houses in a couple of different ways on today's show. First, what the House, in terms of Congress, has been up to lately. And also, to start things off, your house has been getting a, uh, a bit of a facelift as we were talking before hitting the record button today. How's that adventure been for you? It has been so much fun, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear the sarcasm seeping oh, through your voice. <laughs> oh, we've had so much rain, you know, this spring, and now we're, you know, obviously getting into summer a little bit, but we're about seven or eight weeks behind on getting our roof replaced. So, yeah, so I spent my entire Sunday, my wife and I, taping plastic onto the ceiling of our house because we've got a 1950s mid-century modern which is an old you know post and beam house but they're the ceilings all tongue and groove and so when they tear off the stuff on the roof everything falls through those cracks and so if you don't then your house is covered with you know dust that was back in the you know from the 50s and beyond so Mm, probably not good to be breathing in and uh, having just kind of laying around on stuff right no, and my wife and I are a little bit OCD when it comes to cleanliness. So, uh, yeah, we, we thought it was best to uh, do as many preemptive measures as possible. So I'm hoping by the end of this week that will be done. Our house will be back to normal and not covered in plastic. We were laughing as we are putting, you know, sheets of plastic over our, our sofa. So, you know, if we just had a sofa like my grandparents had. Yes, just pre-wrapped everything, right? Pre-wrapped, yeah. What, who thought? of let's put clear plastic around everything just amazing um <laughs> so there's a, i'll have to send you the article there's a guy and then we'll, we'll get to the podcast we promise folks but uh, this is actually kind of interesting there's a guy who was trying to preserve the value of his house i can't remember where he was in the country it might have no i don't think it was in uh, kansas city maybe it was in ohio or something like that but anyway he wrapped his entire home the inside of it in plastic for that particular purpose to try and preserve it so that it was undisturbed, so that the carpet was perfect. And, I mean, you talk OCD and going maybe a little too far down the spectrum of that, but he was even moved his bedroom into the closet because he was like, I can save money. I don't need to heat the entire bedroom or even the entire house, you know, at night. So I just he moved his bed into a closet. That's where he sleeps at night because all he has to do is use a little space heater to heat up the closet to a perfect temperature. And the entire house, banister, everything, even the toilets were covered in plastic to try and preserve the sale value of the home. And the realtor was like, yeah, it's a little difficult to show people the house because they come in and they immediately think they're going to get murdered. <laughs> yeah. And let me guess, that article started out, Jim of Ohio, a single man, never married. <laughs> actually, I think he was divorced, and that was one of the major reasons why, sadly. And they interviewed, they actually interviewed his wife, and she or ex-wife, and she was like, yeah, it's weird. But, you know, that's part of the problem of with our marriage. Just take this one small example and expand it across an entire marriage and... 
you can figure it out from there. But I'm supportive of his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too far. But uh, anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. An entire house wrapped in plastic to preserve it. Well, in any event, let's talk about Congress. They've been up to something when it comes to our retirement plans, our abilities, our, our possibilities for planning for retirement. Some good, maybe some bad, or at least if we don't couch these things in good or bad, Scott, there's new opportunities and old opportunities that are fading away, perhaps. They have passed this thing called the SECURE Act, and it could mean the death of a popular financial strategy, but also a couple of other moving and shaking parts that are in this bill. And just in full disclosure, as we are recording today's episode, it has passed the House, but has not passed the Senate. So if something bizarre happens and it doesn't pass the Senate, then this may never come to fruition. But we feel pretty good that it'll probably pass the Senate, Scott, and this will be an interesting topic of conversation today. What in the world is this SECURE Act, and why are we talking about it? Well, this is the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. What a name. <laughs> yes, just rolls off the tongue. And like we're saying, Walter, it you know, just passed the House 417 to 3 vote. Pretty resounding. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> there is some bipartisanship going on there. They really pushed this through. And, you know, I, I did, with this podcast, there's a link to our website. I did a, a special report uh, not too long ago about the SECURE Act and proactive retirement planning. So on the show notes, you can link and go to that. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I 2017, I wrote an article for Kimplinger called The Death of the Stretch IRA. And at that time, there was talks that something may pass, but it didn't. It kind of died off. But I think this this could have some legs under it. I think we could see some some major changes come about. And so the next vote will happen in, during they think during this session. And so whatever happens with this bill, we'll do another podcast letting you know if it fell off the face of the earth or they actually put something into motion. And so I thought we'd spend time today. There's eight basic things, the biggies that we'll talk about that affect folks. Now, for most of our listeners, there's only going to be a handful of them that really have a big impact. So I'm going to touch high level on all eight, but I'll drill down into the areas that I think are most appropriate and applicable to our listening audience today. All right. What's number one of these eight points? So number one, they're going to increase small employer access to retirement plans. And so really the bill would make some significant changes to a variety of the retirement rules and expand the ability to run multi-employer plans and really make the process easier overall. It's so a bottom line, you know, it would allow small employers to come together to set up and offer like 401k plans and with less concerns and costs than it would would be to do it today. And so that's, you know, number one, that, that's a good one. I hope that does go through because, you know, I agree with them. We think everybody should have access to a quality plan to save for retirement. And with that, you know, leading to number two, they are looking at increasing the annuity options inside of retirement plans. So what does that mean? It means that you'd be able to put dollars away inside of an annuity that would pay some sort of guaranteed income stream at a later date. So if you think about today's world, you know, putting money into a 401k or retirement plan, most of those are going to be in type inside of securities and equities, things like that. You know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. 
but there's no real guaranteed piece that is available. So that would allow people that will be more on the conservative side, or if they wanted to build kind of their own personal pension, it would allow them to do that every two weeks or every month. They take money out of their paycheck, put it into that instrument, and they would have some sort of guaranteed payment down the road based on the claims paidability of the company they put the money with. So I think that's a that could be a positive for some people that want a little more certainty and predictability down the road when they retire. That one's interesting, Scott, because, well, I guess a couple of follow-up questions to that. Do people have access to that now? Like if I, I've always thought of annuities as you take a chunk of money and invest it in an annuity, but to invest like you can in a 401k as an example where you're just continually putting money away as you're working rather than taking one big lump sum and investing it in a particular strategy or or product. Does that exist outside of 401ks where you can kind of slowly add money into an annuity type account? It does. It's not very popular because for the most part, if you are funding something like that on a periodic basis, meaning every two weeks, every month, you're going to have to do it with after-tax dollars or fund it, you know, with your, you know, an IRA contribution or Roth. But it, I can tell you, I've been doing this almost 20 years, not very popular. This is really more like the old 403B that teachers would have, where they could put dollars away every month, and that would stack up and be able to turn that into an income stream later. So, so right now, it's not really accessible. Most people are using just, you know, securities, equity-based investments to do that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, see what happens. Like I say, I just like the idea that people have that option. Doesn't mean that they need to do it, but it is nice to have that if it fits their plan and overall objective. I know we've covered on a past show before, one of the complaints of being in a 401k and why so many people seem to roll over to IRAs and that sort of thing is, is because of that lack of flexibility and options. So this is a good development in the 401k world, right? I definitely think so. I think okay. that's, it would be a good a good enhancement. So that's one that will impact a lot of people. What about the third item on this bill? Now, this is a, it's just a bigger one. This is affects quite a few more people. This would, in effect, increase the required minimum distribution age, called RMD for short. And so right now, when you reach the age of 70 and a half, you have to start taking a required minimum distribution from your IRA. And you think, well, why is that a big deal? Well, for some people, they're going to need to take money out of their IRA to live on. So they're already going to be taking money out. And when they take it out, before they can spend it, they have to pay taxes on it. Because okay? all that money in your IRA has to go through what we call a tax transition before you can spend it. So the other side of that coin, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with, they're looking at seven and a half going, hey, we, we either don't need that money from IRA or we don't need all of it. And the fact that they've got to be forced to take it out just causes a potential tax problem, meaning it increases the potential tax they're paying on their Social Security, increases the tax on their pension, their capital gains, other income sources. And so for some people, it's it's a problem because of their being forced to take money out. And so not a real big situation on this, but they're looking at delaying that requirement till age 72. They've batted around 72 to 75. And so again, it pushes that time out where you would need to be able to have to take the money out. 
and it's really going to mess me up because I talk about the golden decade a lot. I think we actually did a did a Kiplinger article on it, and I always say that sixty to seventy is the golden decade. Well, I don't know what a twelve year increment is, but I'm going to have to have to talk about you know up to seventy two. But simply put, if people are focused on tax planning and moving money from tax deferred to tax free, like via Roth conversion, where you're taking money out of your IRA, you're paying taxes and you're putting it into a Roth IRA through a conversion, you know all those dollars are growing tax free, and when you take the dollars out. It comes out tax-free, and it goes tax-free to the beneficiaries. And so instead of 60 to 70 having that window of time before you're forced to take money out, now you'll be able to go all the way to 72, which could be helpful for people because that gives us another you know, 18 months to be able to move more dollars out of their IRA to a Roth and save on those taxes down the road. That's a lot of uh, – gosh, I know that that RMDs, that required minimum distribution, it ends up being a real – problem for a lot of people, especially when they don't plan for it, right? They get to seven and a half and go, oops, I got to start taking this money out and it, it can cause issues in the plan. This isn't really fixing that problem if you're unprepared, but it's at least maybe giving us a little bit more time to prepare for it. Gives you a larger window to be able to do proactive tax planning. All right. That's acceptable. I like yeah. uh, I like that. So that's a, uh, these are all good developments so far, it sounds like. I'm not finding anything you know, kind of negative to our, our financial lives in this so no. far. Okay. No, we're going to save that one for the last. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be. It's the butt sandwich, right? There's always got to be uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that middle part. So everyone that's listening, make sure you stay tuned to the end to hear. That was a wonderful teaser. You. Yeah, you did a I great like job that. there. Yeah. Well done. All right. What about number uh, point number four? Removal of the age limitation on IRA contributions. And so right now, after the age of 70 and a half, you can no longer contribute to an IRA. Now, you can still contribute to a Roth IRA as long as you have earned income, all right? So they say, yeah, you can take money, put it into your Roth IRA, and grow that, you know, tax-free for down the road. But if you're over 70 and a half, you, even if you have earned income, you cannot make a contribution to a traditional IRA. And so they would remove that age limitation. So if you're working part-time or have a business and you can contribute, make an IRA contribution, then they're going to be able to allow you to do that. So it is a nice thing where if you, you're going to work longer, you know, work past 70 and a half, able to tuck more money away, maybe get a tax deduction on that and uh, give you a little more wiggle room on that one. So I, I am, I'm with you. I, I like that removing the age limitation on the IRA contribution. Yeah, that's another good one for sure. What else is on the list? So we're going to go through the next three fairly quickly. Number five, it's going to be a tax credit for automatic enrollment. Basically, if you're going to automatically enroll and have money taken from your check and put it into a retirement plan, there's going to be a tax credit. Right now, they're talking about a $500 tax credit that they would give you for automatically enrolling in some sort of plan. Number six, it's a penalty-free distribution for birth of a child or adoption. And it's really an interesting welcome addition to the bill. It's a new exemption from the 10% penalty tax or the 72T for early withdrawals from retirement accounts. That was a mouthful there. <laughs> but it's the new rule would allow an, an amount of $5,000 to be distributed from a retirement plan without getting penalized with a 10% penalty in the event that you have a qualified birth or adoption. So Let's you reach into your retirement plan, take out $5,000 and not get a 10% tax penalty on that, or excuse me, early withdrawal penalty. So it just gives you a little more access to the dollars. Okay. And, and skipping on to number seven, 
If you've got a defined contribution plan, basically, if you've got one of those, they're basically going to make that company every 12 months deliver you a disclosure that essentially show you how much income the lump sum balance in their retirement account could generate. And so basically the methodology for calculating lifetime income is still in the works. And so they haven't really figured out how they're going to do it. But additional disclosures and information on the assumptions used would also have to be provided, you know, because a lot of people don't know how their their company plan is coming up with those numbers. So I like disclosure. I think things need to be more transparent. So that is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So, all right, the, bi- the big, fa- we need a drum roll, the big finale. I know, <laughs> here it comes. Just like I talked earlier, you know, I wrote an article for Kiplinger in 2017 called The Death of the Stretch IRA. And I'm getting ready to actually rewrite that article you know, because of the Secure Act. So I've got a submitting that to Kiplinger here in uh, next week or so. But a, a lot of folks like the idea of giving an IRA to a child and that becomes an inherited IRA. Well, just like if you own an IRA, you've got a required minimum distribution, meaning the amount you've got to take out and pay taxes. Well, when you inherit an IRA and it's structured properly, I can take that IRA, take my RMD out over my life expectancy. You know, so if I inherit that IRA at 45, I've got to take dollars out of it, but it's going to be a very small amount. And so you could stretch that and take out the minimum over your lifetime. So what's that allow it to do? It allows you to keep money inside of the plan, grow it tax deferred, and control you know the amount you take out of it. Well, just like I wrote about in Kiplinger in 2017, what they're looking at is doing away with the light the stretch IRA provision and looking at a 10-year period where you'd have to pay it out. So if we think about the other seven things I talked about in this act, those are all nice little gimmies, right? This one, this one is a tax-generating provision that would require most people to take all the money out of an IRA over a 10-year period. Okay. So really, it speeds up or accelerates the depletion of the inherited accounts, especially if you've got large IRAs and retirement plans. Because remember, we talked about tax transition earlier. They're trans- making you transition that tax deferred IRA. Well, if you take it out, either you spend it. If you reinvest it after tax, it goes into a non-qualified status. And what do we have to start doing then? You know, we pay taxes on interest and dividends. We pay capital gains when we sell things or have capital losses. And so everything is taken out of that tax deferred status, repositioned in another type of account, and it all starts the tax situation over and over again. And so this is worrisome if you've got a large IRA and planning passing that to, you know, children or grandchildren, because it's really going to kind of foul up the tax consequences on that, depending on your situation. So we're watching this one very, very closely because there's a lot of people that have stretch IRA provisions that are built into their beneficiary designations. There's a lot of people that have irrevocable trusts that have an IRA trust component, which is called a conduit trust, which allows IRAs to be passed through to an IRA trust and distributed over you know, the beneficiary's lifetime if it's set up properly. 
that has some long-ranging issues and it can really complicate things. So we save the best for last, not being an alarmist. We'll see what, you know, what they pass in the final bill. But rest assured, if they do change that and, and have a they've, – they've even talked about a five-year payout. So 10 would at least would give us a little more time. We're going to have to really look at some different planning, which we've already started to study those strategies if this does go through. So we'll be ready, depending on what they come out with. But I say we're definitely staying on top of this, working with Robert Keebler. He's the, one of the most prominent CPAs in the country, our estate planning law firm that we work with. We're having continual meetings with them, making sure we're all on the same page and be able to be ready to serve our clients at the highest level if and when something comes through. Would this be, for folks who have already kind of gone into the mode of this stretch IRA as it used to be dealt with, are they going to now have to join that crowd of redoing that plan and redoing that strategy? Will they be grandfathered in in any way? So far, they haven't talked about it grandfathering, but I'm sh- there's going to have to be some concessions that are there that right now we don't know what they will or won't grandfather. You know, just like we talked earlier about you know, moving the RMD age to 72. Well, what if you're, you know, do get people get to stop, you know, for a year or two? Right. What if I'm 71 you know? already, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of questions out there that are just unanswered. But we do have a, just, that's a great question. We have a long list of questions just like that, that we'll have to address once we get the final legislation through. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, how big of, is this one of the biggest financial changes if the stretch IRA goes away in your like most impactful changes that have happened over the last, you know, several years from a finance, from the everyday consumer financial standpoint, it seems like that's a big change. Yeah. Cause it, and I talk about this in our retirement classes all the time. The last big change for IRAs was eliminating the creditor protection for an inherited IRA. And so a few years ago, if you inherited an IRA and you had creditor problems, you had protection. They couldn't get at that money. Well, they did away with that. So if you inherit an IRA, you've got you know creditor problems. Those dollars can now be considered fair game. You know, so that was a biggie. This is a situation where this is in essence a tax increase. It's a increase in tax revenue. It, they, it, isn't they everything, did, Scott? It, it, it is, <laughs> but I they're doing it without having to call it a tax increase. They've embedded this in the SECURE Act, which sounds fantastic, but it's really a revenue-generating situation because a majority of the savings in the United States is inside of 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, 457s, TSPs, KEOGs, you know, SEPs, all those tax-deferred accounts, they're looking at that saying, hey, there's tax revenue that we're going to take from that, but this just speeds up the payout, which increases the revenue, and they get it faster. That's really, in my mind, that's really what it is, is they're tapping into those resources quicker, and they're producing tax revenue faster than they would with current tax law. Fascinating to see the inner working. So what's your big takeaway of the SECURE Act? I mean, do you, as a financial advisor, your perspective, is it a positive one or does this kind of ruin the whole thing because of the removal of the stretch IRA? And then also the same question, but from the perspective of the consumer. 
Well, if you think about most of these things are going to be positive for the everyday average American, especially if someone's younger and you know still in that savings mode. But our clientele, the people that we serve, are you know within five years of retirement or squarely in retirement. And all these other things, is it great that we can push RMDs out in 18 months? Yeah, but is it does it move the needle? Not really. You know, the ability for you know, after 70 and a half to put $6,500 into an IRA or 13000 per couple, is that a game changer? Not really. But taking a million-dollar IRA and taking it out over a five- or ten-year period and paying all the taxes on it, that's a big deal. So to me, the reason we're paying so close, so much close attention to this, that stretch IRA provision being removed, that ha- potentially has a big impact on our clientele because of some of the planning that's been done. So that's my take on it. I'm most concerned with how it affects our clients. And I think that it's more of a negative than a positive for most of them. Yeah, I think that's um, it's just a really interesting conversation, and it must be a really interesting time for you to have this tool that you used to be able to use for planning purposes, and now you think it's going away, but it's not technically gone yet, and so you're trying to probably figure out how do you advise clients in this very moment. You know, if somebody's got six or seven years before retirement, maybe, Scott, they can wait a little bit before or plan one way, and then it can readjust a little bit later on. But for somebody who's like, hey, I'm pulling the trigger next month on, you know, retiring and we're putting together this plan, how are you navigating that, this period of time for folks with this kind of unknown, if they're fitting into the kind of the the mode here where they would utilize a strategy like this? Well, you know, we've got to operate with what is currently law. All right. So all of our plans have to be built with what we know today. And only when we find out what the new rules might become, can we start going back and changing our planning process? Just because it's, again, we've got to operate on what we know today. And we simply can be prepared for what does happen. And I think the biggest takeaway from this for the people listening is, Our job is to stay on top of these things. If they do change and some of these potentially negative things go into effect, we're going to look at that impact that it has on our clients. We're going to study that and we're going to get together with our clients and walk them through a process to improve their situation or help mitigate the situation. But so rest assured, we're on top of this. We're going to have ideas once we know what the rules of the game are. And you'll be hearing a lot more from us if and when we finally get, you know, a proposal that goes through and we get something that goes into law, then we'll have something to talk about and plan around. Very cool. I think that makes a lot of sense. Plan with what we know now. You're not in the business of speculating. Nope. And why try to hit the moving target, right? Plan on what we know. And then when it changes, we'll be able to... Luckily, this is the one time where it's good. Something happens slowly, right? That Congress and government move slowly on things. It's going to give you enough time to adjust and go back to the drawing board and then adjust the planning process accordingly, it sounds like. Yeah, and they'll, they'll give us a time frame of this will go into effect at this time and then who's grandfathered, who's not. They'll lay out all those rules. It'll just be a little precarious. Uh, if you look at 2017, you had major tax reform pushed through towards the end of the year. Bam, you January 1, it goes into effect. So not a lot of time to be forewarned. Hopefully, they'll be a little more, a little better with this, the rollout. But 
we shall see, and we'll plan accordingly once we know the rules. That's a great point, as always, Scott. Well, if you've got any questions about the stretch IRA, the changes that are coming down the line with this SECURE Act, you can always reach out to Scott and ask those questions. Listen to Scott.com, the place to go. You'll find contact info there on the page. Listen to Scott.com, or you can give a call to 913-393-4724. Again, that's 913 913- 393-4724. And Scott, we're going to do a follow-up episode to this once we do get some clarification on a lot of those big questions, right? Absolutely. We'll write articles on that and we'll do a podcast and over-communicate once we know what direction we need to go in. Plenty more to come on this subject for sure. Well, there you go. Your Retirement Elevated podcast wrapped up once again. Hope you enjoyed the show. A reminder, don't forget to subscribe to the program on your favorite app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, lots of other ones as well. And you can find links to all of those different services on the website, listen to scott.com. For Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time out to join us. We'll talk to you soon right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.